The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus told his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the words of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything... I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of a triune God of love. Amen. For almost two years now, I have been simultaneously raising small children and writing sermons. And so far, I have successfully refrained from bringing in a children's book to make a theological point. But this week, the pout-pout fish in the big, big dark is a story that insisted on being shared in my ponderings about our readings. I hope the more serious theologians among us will forgive me. The pout-pout fish in the big, big dark is a story about a helpful fish named Mr. Fish, who witnesses the tragic loss of a pearl by Miss Clam, who happened to yawn just as a current swished past her, and thus her pearl was lost in the current. Now, Mr. Fish dove for it and searched along the next ledge down for the pearl, but it wasn't there. He couldn't find it. All he found was a mucky marble. A mysterious voice whispered to Mr. Fish from the darkness that he was going to have to look deeper. So deeper he went, and of course, darker it got. That is where the pout-pout part comes in. You see, Mr. Fish is afraid of the dark. Going deeper was not easy. On the next ledge down, he found a shipwreck, but no pearl. The mysterious voice urged him to go deeper, and he took a deep breath and dove again. 
In the poetry of children's literature, he swam a little deeper where the light got dimmer. As his heart flit fluttered, Mr. Fish grew grimmer. Some aquatic worms came to help, but the pearl was still not found. Again, the whisper to go further came, and again, Mr. Fish went down deeper, down a sheer dark ledge into a deep sea abyss. It was pitch black dark, and Mr. Fish almost turned back, but the voice that had urged him on became embodied, and a shimmery fish named Miss Shimmer appeared and took him by the fin. Encouraged by the knowledge that he was not alone, Mr. Fish decided to continue on. The two fish dove down together into the pitch black dark where they met a lantern fish named Mr. Lantern. He provided the light and there the three fish together found the pearl. They also, of course, found friendship and courage and strength and ultimate victory. Now, I have been sitting with our four Bible readings all week, unable to articulate why they feel so important to me. And yet they do feel uniquely important, each of them. So finally, two days ago, on Friday afternoon, after I had spent a little time with Mr. Fish, I realized that Mr. Fish's courageous deep-sea dive for a lost pearl and the companions that helped him to find it Miss Shimmer and Mr. Lantern, spoke of a common thread in the scripture that we have just read together. These readings today speak of going to a deeper place, a place that is not easy to go to, a place where we will find ourselves in good company, a place where pearls can be found by the sacred light of either a lanternfish or an incarnate God who claims to be the way, the truth, and the life I always want to say the way, the truth, and the light. So I picture him with that lantern fish there. Now, these readings, these readings as I looked at them today, really, or this week, earlier this week, really caught me. And I don't know about you, but I was stopped in my tracks when I read that first reading about Stephen. That story about Stephen being stoned. I'd previously heard it, read it, known about it. But this week... As Stephen was filled by the Holy Spirit and saw a vision of God and turned around to share what he had seen, as the crowds rushed against him, dragged him out, and stoned him, as he prayed one last prayer, one of mercy and forgiveness, as he commended his soul into the hands of God, and as he died, I wept. I'm so glad, Robert, that you used the hymn. Where are you? That our hymn before the gospel was about Stephen's story because that music spoke to the emotion that I was caught off guard by. A slideshow of modern day violence flashed through my mind. Violence that does not seem to deserve mercy and forgiveness and yet somehow by grace forgiveness is offered. Not permissiveness, but forgiveness. And I wonder from where does one find the strength to forgive at that level? That kind of forgiveness must come from a very deep place. Now, thanks to Stephen, I was already crying when I reached the psalm. Into, your, into you, O Lord, have I, in you, O Lord, have I taken refuge. Be my strong rock, a castle to keep me safe. 
Into your hands I commend my spirit. Not only is this a beautiful lament of a psalm and a place for us to turn when we feel under attack, it is also part of the evening Compline service in our prayer book, which I prayed at church camp almost every summer night of my youth. So it brought back memories of the joys and struggles of growing up. I remember taking refuge in these words, needing them to light my way through the darkness. Now, our second reading pulled me from the 1990s at summer camp in Pasco, Rhode Island, to March 2014, Concord, Massachusetts, just down the street, Elm Street, at Karim Shalom, on the night of Rabbi Darby Lee's installation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner. This was the scripture that Darby chose for his installation. As a rabbi who is deaf and has been called to lead a very large, active, hearing congregation, this is powerful language. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. These words from Psalm 118, quoted by the writer of First Peter, which we just heard, invoke the ways that society rejects the very things about us that make us who we are, sometimes the things that are very core, the things that give us strength and empower us to serve a world that needs exactly what we have to offer through our perceived imperfections. I think that our ability to see each other's differences as valuable gifts is dependent on how deeply we are willing to look at ourselves and at one another. Which brings me to the gospel. A beautiful section of Jesus' words of farewell to his friends after the Last Supper and before his arrest and crucifixion, perhaps an odd place to find ourselves during this Easter season. This piece of scripture has been argued over and used in divisive ways by people on the left, right, high, low uh, ends of theology for, for years, for eons. Now, some use the line about no one getting to the Father except through Jesus as a way to claim salvation only for Christians, while others of us love the comfort and openness of Jesus saying there are many rooms in his Father's house. Some stumble over Jesus' promise to give us anything we ask for in prayer, when clearly most of us have experienced and witnessed many a prayer that seemed to go utterly unanswered. Some get offended that this gospel is often read at funerals because the connection between believing in Jesus and getting a ticket to heaven can be interpreted rather literally. I wonder if today, as we worship together here, we can look more deeply than all of these well-worn discussions seem to go. Do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus said. I am about to die but I go ahead of you to prepare a place for you. And when it is your turn, I will come and get you. I will take you into myself. This is a love story written by a follower from the Johannine community, perhaps a hundred years after Jesus died, a follower who was passionate about Jesus, clearly. This is a love story of a human God inviting his friends into even deeper intimacy with him, an intimacy that transcends time and space. 
This is a love story of a creator God who is completely present in Jesus and a rabbi who claimed to be part of a creator God, the God who he called Father, Abba, Dad, magnificently, mysteriously divine, and yet completely human, just as you and I are, completely human and preparing for a human, painful death, lovingly saying goodbye to his friends and preemptively counseling them in their grief. How are we to respond to this Jesus? How do we go deeper into Christ, encouraged by the whisper of the Holy Spirit, to a place where the way, the truth, and the life, the light, may reveal something of great significance to us? Now, each of us may answer that question differently. But this collection of readings this week seems to be telling me that the way to go deeper is to surrender. To surrender to the passionate love affair that Christ calls us into. To surrender to the deepest knowledge in our inmost being, a knowledge that we are not alone. To release our grip on our opinions and understandings and anything that holds us back from being fully present to the love that has been offered to us in the life of Jesus Christ. To let go of any noise in our heads that keeps us from hearing the whisper of the Holy Spirit. To surrender ourselves into the care of a creator who made us to love us. This is a surrender that involves hard work and vulnerability. It involves a courageous swim into the depths of who we are. It is a surrender that may lead us into some dark places. But I believe that in surrendering, we see more clearly that we are in good company in the depths. And that treasures more dear than pearls await us in the arms of a resurrected Christ. Amen.